0: Today's Bible reading is Proverbs chapter 1 verses 1 to 33 and it can be found on page 628 of the Blue Church Bibles. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. For gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight For receiving instruction in prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair. For giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning, and let the discerning get guidance. For understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Listen, my son, to your father's instruction and do not forsake your mother's teaching. They are a garland to grace your head and a chain to adorn your neck. My son, if sinful men entice you, do not give in to them. If they say, Come along with us. Let's lie in wait for innocent blood. Let's ambush some harmless soul. Let's swallow them alive like the grave and hole, like those who go down to the pit. We will get all sorts of valuable things and fill our houses with plunder. Cast lots with us, and we will all share the loot. My son, do not go along with them. Do not set foot on, on, foot on their paths, for their feet "'Rush into evil. "'They are swift to shed blood. "'How useless to spread a net "'where every bird can see it. "'These men lie in wait for their own blood. "'They ambush only themselves. "'Such are the paths of all who go after ill-gotten gain. "'It takes away the life of those who get it. "'Out in the open,' Wisdom calls aloud, she raises her voice in the public square. On top of the wall she cries out, at the city gate she makes her speech. How long will you who are simple love your simple ways? How long will mockers delight in mockery and fools hate knowledge? Repent at my rebuke, then I will pour out my thoughts to you. I will make known to you my teachings. But since you refuse to listen when I call, and no one pays attention when I stretch out my hand, since you disregard all my advice and do not accept my rebuke, I in turn will laugh when disaster strikes you. I will mock when calamity overtakes you, when calamity overtakes you like a storm, when disaster sweeps over you like a whirlwind, when distress and trouble overwhelm you. Then they will call out to me, but I will not answer. They will look for me, but will not find me, since they hated knowledge and did not choose to fear the Lord. Since they would not accept my advice and spurned my rebuke, they will eat the fruit of their ways and be filled with the fruit of their schemes. For the wayward of the simple will kill them. And the complacency of fools will destroy them. But whoever listens to me will live in safety and be at ease without fear of harm.
1: Well, thanks so much for the warm welcome. And I look forward to getting to know more of you over the next uh, four weeks as we open up the book of Proverbs. As we kick off today, I want to share with you one of my favorite Proverbs, actually not from the Bible. I want to see if anyone can tell me where it comes from. Here's the proverb. Who's, who's the more foolish? The fool or the fool that follows him? Anyone know, want to have a stab where that comes from? I was hopeful of Mount Barkin. Sorry? Yes, thank you. Someone, I've preached this series. This is the third time I've preached. That's the first time someone has got it. That was the eminently wise Obi Wan Kenobi speaking to Han Solo in Star Wars Episode 4, developed um, delivered by the great actor Sir Alec Guinness. We do live in a proverb-saturated world uh, from many great writers, thinkers, unknown sources and movie script writers in many cases, like keep your friends close and your enemies closer, delivered by Al Pacino as Michael Corleone in The Godfather Part 2. In just a few short words, uh, proverbs can really make us think. They can encourage us, rebuke us, We pass judgment on others with them sometimes. We teach our kids with them. We comfort ourselves. We challenge each other. Consider this just a short list of proverbs that I found. Two wrongs don't make a right. Honesty is the best policy. Actions speak louder than words. But the pen is mightier than the sword. When in Rome, do as the Romans do. When the going gets tough, the tough get going. Fortune favours the brave. There's no such thing as a free lunch. Don't bite the hand that feeds you, though. And you can't make an omelette without breaking a few eggs, but don't put all your eggs in one basket. And don't count your chickens before they hatch either, because the early bird catches the worm. But a watchpot never boils, but better late than never, though. People who live in glass houses shouldn't throw stones, and if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Many hands make light work, but too many cooks, of course, spoil the broth. All good things must come to the end. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder, although one man's trash is another one's treasure. (laughs) The grass is greener on the other side, although you can't judge a book by its cover, though. Out of sight, out of mind, yet apparently absence makes the heart grow fonder. Good things do come to those who wait. There is no time like the present. Do unto others as you would have them do to you. Cleanliness is next to godliness. I'm a very big fan of that one. And if you can't beat them, join them. And if you want something done right, you have to do it yourself. (laughs) The question is not which Proverbs, uh, whether we'll live by Proverbs, but rather what kind of Proverbs will we live by and cherish? Uh, If uh, you're new to church here this morning, like me, uh, it's always great to have newcomers each and every week. We are starting a four-week Proverbs series. I understand uh, sally Ann has sent around some booklets with some uh, different bits and pieces in their for you, Our goal over these next four weeks is to really get and understand how Proverbs work together. This series is about treasuring and being shaped by the Proverbs God has collected for us in his word. We've put a lot of tools at, the, at your disposal for this series. Uh, there's these uh, study guides on your seats which have a reading guide that'll actually get you through all of Proverbs uh, over the next five weeks. I understand some of the groups studied Proverbs 4 to 7 uh, this week. Really the goal is on this Sunday, and if you haven't done so already, reading Proverbs 4 to 7, then we'll come back in chapters 8 to 9 next week. We'll cover the intro to Proverbs because if you get the uh, intro to Proverbs, which is all of chapters 1 to 9, I think we're then ready to use the uh, seemingly random at times collection of Proverbs that go Uh, from chapter 10 onwards. So that's our goal for the next eight days, or if you might have already got a head start, to get all of Proverbs 1 to 9 together. So I'd really commend you throwing yourself into this series, trying to be here each week, and getting along to your community group if you're in one. And if you're not, please do take uh, the guides and read uh, with a friend or in your household as well. Because we really do live in a complicated world, and we really need God's wisdom to live well in it, navigating the challenges of friendship, work, forgiveness, alcohol, debt, marriage, and using our words wisely, just to name a few. Our goal is simple to come away from this series absolutely loving the book of Proverbs, thoroughly equipped to use it well for the rest of your days, and by doing so, experience great blessing and benefit through all the seasons, the trials, and the joys of life. And that's exactly what Proverbs promises us as we get underway in the first few verses we just had read. If uh, you don't have your Bibles open or open on your phone or iPad or something like that, open them up to page 628 of the Blue Bibles, because we're actually going to cover some of Proverbs 1 to 3 today, not in the reading. So it'll be really important to have it there with you. But we're starting from chapter 1, verse 1. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for gaining wisdom and instruction for understanding words of insight. For receiving instruction in prudent behaviour. For doing what is right and just and fair. For giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning. And let the discerning get guidance. For understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and the riddles of the wise. All are invited by God to develop what I would call applied knowledge for living well, to have Proverbs actively shape our character, to help us understand the world, to teach us its patterns, its truisms, so that we might know how to live well in community together. A community marked by justice and fairness. And then in verse 7 we come to one of the most important statements that we need to grasp. If we're to read Proverbs well, verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. It's that important that that is what we're really spending these kind of eight days on next Sunday and the Bible readings you might do between now and then to really get our heads around this concept of the fear of the Lord. We'll return next week to the cracking chapters 8 and 9, some of my favourites in the book of Proverbs, to kind of close this in and understand this concept well. All that, I would suggest, is thoroughly worth the effort because as we're told, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And I'd go as far as to say if we get that concept from chapters 1 to 9, we're then ready to discover the great power of the book of Proverbs at... uh, that kicks off from chapter 10. So I think Proverbs at its core is an optimistic book. I called it the series God's Wisdom is Known because it teaches us that life and wisdom, living life God's way, is within our grasp. God has made known his wisdom to us. He's given it to us as a gift. And the human task God lays before us all is to choose the course of our life and to stand with the wise under God, pursuing righteousness, rather than the fool who despises God's wisdom and instruction, causing great injury to themselves and to others. In these opening nine chapters, there are ten speeches uh, imagined as from a father to a son, urging the son to embrace wisdom and reject folly. There are also four poems where God's wisdom is personified as Lady Wisdom calling to us and together these speeches and poems seek to persuade us with great passion and with vigor to really treasure God's wisdom, to realize its value and to actively let it change our character and therefore our actions as we live in God's world. And also at the same time they convince us of the horror of embracing folly. They help us to see its destructive power so that we might have the desire and the character to reject it, taking a stand alongside Lady Wisdom and listening to her. So as I said, if you don't have your Bibles open in front of you, open up to page 6 to 8. We're going to cover some ground well beyond our Bible reading, uh, so it would be great to have it in front of you. Come down with me now in chapter 1 to verses 8 to 10, one of the first of these father-son speeches, where we read, Listen, my son, to your father's instruction. And do not forsake your mother's teaching. They are a garland to grace your head and a chain to adorn your neck. My son, if sinful men entice you, do not give in to them. There's a picture here of a youth living well in the light of his parents' teaching and growing in favour in the sight of others. And it acknowledged those, that those, even those who seek to do good in this world, even those with parents who seek to instruct their kids in wisdom, can be enticed to do evil with the promise of easy material gain, as it's explained. They're getting all sorts of valuable things at the expense of harming the innocent. It's a mistake, I think, to simply say, well, I haven't been tempted to join a gang lately and go and roll someone, so let's move on. I think chapters 1 to 9 are making much more broadly applicable points through concrete and easy-to-get examples Verses 17 to 19 certainly seem to zoom out from the specific to teach a broader lesson, implying, verse, verse 17, that such people who turn away from God are actually quite stupid. Verse 17, how useless to spread a net where every bird can see it. But also it says that such ill-gotten gain uh, that seems so attractive to us when offered doesn't deliver. Verse 18, these men lie in wait For their own blood, they ambush only themselves. Such are the paths of all who go after ill-gotten gain. It takes away the life of those who get it. So much of folly and evil in this world promises a great deal to us when the decision lays before us, yet only delivers destruction. Whether it's a big business before a government inquiry, a profit of a factory built on exploiting the poor, Uh, A business partner's fraud being uncovered. The taxman discovering cash-in-hand dealings. The prisoner lamenting quick choices that promised so much gain, yet only delivered slow ruin. We see different examples of how this works when we turn away from God in kind of easy-to-get examples. Yet in contrast to these shadowy enticements in secret, we see Lady Wisdom coming into the scene calling in the public square, verse 20, crying out from atop the city gate to the simple, to the mockers, the fools. Repent, verse 23, at my rebuke. Then I will pour out my thoughts to you. I will make known to you my teachings. Such great promises offered to those who repent, but also great woe declared upon those who don't. Since verse 29, they hated knowledge and did not choose to fear the Lord. There's that... Phrasean, which is the drumbeat of chapters 1 to 9. And a sharp contrast is being drawn here. And I think, again, our temptation is to think, well, that's not me, I don't do those things. But it's trying to paint, I think, a very clear picture that a choice is to be made in following God or not. There's a sharp contrast drawn between those who repent at wisdom's rebuke and those who don't, starting verse 32. For the waywardness of the simple will kill them, And the complacency of fools will destroy them. But whoever listens to me, Lady Wisdom cries out, will live in safety and be at ease, without fear of harm. Already at the close of chapter 1, this decision whether we will reject God's wisdom and be seduced into folly, or whether we will listen to God, it's been set up for us as a life and death decision. Then we turn to our second father-son speech and just listen here to the urgency, the imploring, the effort to persuade being used here in chapter 2 verse 1. My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, indeed if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding and if you look for it as silver and search for it as hidden treasure... Then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Now I must say, I'm concerned about our current and future generations regarding our willingness to pay the cost required to understand this concept of what the fear of the Lord is and find real God-given wisdom and knowledge. There's a great freedom in coming in as a visiting preacher who knows almost none of you, so I can comment generally, and none of you need to take it personally. But see if this rings true with uh, your experience uh, of the Christian life. Um, As I mentioned before in the interview, having Cam on our staff team the last 18 months as he came out of college has been uh, a real blessing to our church, and it's been a joy seeing Cam settle in. Uh, Cam often comes bounding into the office on a Friday uh, at about lunchtime after filling in, uh, occasionally leading at our seniors' Bible study. Uh, And I'll say to Cam, how was it? Cam will always answer, highlight of my week. I'll ask why. He will say, well, it's the discussion. It's the things they talk about. It's very obvious that they have been shaped by their careful studying of the Bible week in, week out for decades. And the way they pray, it has such power because they pray coming out of the text, the things they pray about have got real depth to it. It's so encouraging. Highlight of my week, it's great. And our seniors at Colonel Light Gardens are a great treasure to our community because of this. They have done the hard work of storing up God's commands who have applied their heart to understanding as Proverbs encourages us. They have cried out for insight, they have searched for wisdom as a great treasure and as a result they know what it is to fear the Lord and have found the knowledge of God shaping their character and their choices. So move generations with me now. Uh, perhaps to those with adult kids who might have uh, moved out at home, sort of at the peak of their careers, uh, somewhat north of 50 perhaps. As I said, I've got freedom here. I uh, know no one other than uh, Ruddy in that category, and I'm not talking to you Ruddy (laughs) at this point. (laughs) But statistically speaking, there's a massive hole in the church there in that sort of 50 to 65 bracket. Now, we have some wonderful exceptions to that, and I'm sure you do too. But in large... There's not many in that era in the church today. And when you speak to people in community, you community, know, almost half of Australia used to go to church at some time. When I meet people in that sort of 50s to 60s categories who still consider themselves Christian but aren't part of a regular fellowship at church like this one and throughout the week, many, if you can really get down to it, simply feel like they've heard it all before. What else is there to know? I know the gospel, I know... Jesus died on the cross for my sins, I'm just busy on uh, getting on uh, with life. And many of them have been part of churches that have been unwilling to teach at depth from God's word. So they don't come, they don't grow, and they're no longer searching. Many, not all of course, that do come to church occasionally just want a quick hit and perhaps something of social value from church grouping together then our young adults and those in their 30s and 40s, really working hard to establish our place in the world, some busy with young kids and I get it personally having three ones myself. We've kind of grown up in the information overload era and we hear everyone's opinions about everything uh, via social media. We don't focus on anything for particularly long and have quite an attention deficit. This concept of fear of the Lord, we'd all much prefer just to like a six-minute video on YouTube that can explain it uh, to us, rather than getting diving into Proverbs at depth for weeks. We'd much prefer a preacher who will just simply illustrate it in three entertaining and well-illustrated dot points, <laughs> rather than diving deep into Proverbs ourselves. And grouping all, perhaps in our church at least, except for our seniors, into one basket. Now, of course, there's variance in this. I'm painting a picture to make a point. But by and large, we've reduced the idea of Christian guidance to a vague, ill-defined sense of God's will. Well, I prayed about it, and God seems to be calling me to do, well, exactly what my heart wanted to do in the first place. Instead of paying the cost, instead of the careful, and prayerful study of God's word and having our character shaped and transformed by stirring up, storing up God's words within us, applying our heart to understanding, crying out for wisdom of insight and understanding, searching diligently for making it like a precious treasure. Now we need to do that in the context of the reality of life. I'm not painting some picture of if you do this, your life will all be wonderful, healthy, wealthy and wise. Actually driving in uh, to Mount Barker reminds me of this every time I do it. It's uh, the scene of uh, the worst day of my life when the call came out uh, that my brother was missing, used to be a GP uh, here in Mount Barker and to come to pick up the kids. And long story short, and I'm off notes now, but I was just wanting you to kind of get the point that I really get this is that unfortunately he'd uh, taken uh, his life and I was the one who had to come and tell his three kids and uh, to partially care for his uh, wife and, and kids and kind of work through all that. So I think when we come to Proverbs, it's moments like that. When we come to understanding the gospel and how it applies to life, those are the moments, including in the joys and things as well, where you really want to have been working away hard, crying out for understanding, applying yourself to God's Word to work out how the world works. Because people say the most ridiculous things to you in those moments because people don't know what to say. The people I want to see at those points are people who've been throwing themselves into God's Word for years. Cam is uh, doing a very different sermon on the power of God's Word as part of a very different series kind of as we speak at Kernelite Gardens now. And he's interviewing one of our most senior members, Kay Crawley, Some of you, uh, probably two or three of you might know her. Uh, she's 93 now, and we're interviewing her because it's people like her who've done the Proverbs thing, who've applied themselves to wisdom, who have been crying out for insight that you want to speak to in life. We've had to our great surprise, we've had a lot of 20-something people pouring into our church, because we have people like Kay. Because after you've gone through the, the youth thing, the, the fun thing for years, and you, people start hitting you know, around about 25 and trying to work out how you know, career works, how relationships work, how singleness works, how you know, having kids work. They want people around who have been doing what Proverbs is encouraging us to do, to work out life, because God's wisdom really is that good. I've gone way off notes now, so I'll try and work out where I was going before that. But I wanted you to get the big point, if nothing else today, is that you want to be doing this week in, week out, in the times when life is great and it's a real joy, and also in the times when it's really hard, because we need God's wisdom to live in this world and to live it well. It is costly for us to learn what it means to fear the Lord when... You can't watch a good six-minute video on it, and I won't just simply give you three easy dot points to remember. But listen to the promises that God gives to those willing to pay the cost. Listen to the sale job here on the benefit from uh, chapter 2. I'll just pull out a few bits there. Chapter 2, verse 8, God protects the way of his faithful ones, will understand what is right and just and fair in every good path. Verse 9, in chapter 2, verse 10. For wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will protect you. Wisdom will save you from all those in the world that would lead us into folly and keep us on the paths of righteousness. In short, the reward totally outweighs the cost paid. Jesus, as the wisdom of God in human flesh, makes a lot of very Proverbs points if you go back and actually read the gospel. If you apply yourself to Proverbs for the next four or five weeks, then go back to read a gospel, you'll see just how much Jesus really is the very wisdom of God and how much his words drip the wisdom of Proverbs. Makes sense if he is the word of God became flesh. As Jesus said, things like Matthew 13 verse 44, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, He hid it again and then in his joy went and sold all that he had and bought that field. That's one of just many examples of Jesus pitching a fairly costly form of discipleship that's wholehearted, that we want the kingdom of God and its uh, its wisdom, its benefits right now as well as the great promise it holds for us in eternity. It's something that we often don't consider, Jesus being the ultimate Proverbs man the wise man par excellence. We often refer to Jesus as the ultimate prophet, speaking the very words of God, and he is indeed our great high priest, offering the one true sacrifice for sin in his body to death on a cross, to pay for the sins of all those who would trust in him, which is itself God's greatest wisdom, which we're told elsewhere in the Bible, that so many consider foolishness. And we kind of get that. As Christians, as a church, if you're here today just checking out who Jesus is, that's kind of the heart of things where you want to start to understanding that why this death on a cross by a man named Jesus almost 2,000 years ago considered great foolishness by so many is treasured by so many around the world today. Jesus, King of kings, Lord of lords, to death on the cross for us. And we're called to live under his loving rule today. But as I've suggested in... Uh, The studying guides um, do at the end of this series uh, read through a gospel again, soaked in the wisdom of Proverbs, seeing how the two come together. So, what can we say so far at least about the fear of the Lord? Well, chapter one has uh, shown us it involves rejecting the way of the fool who despises God's wisdom and to listen to wisdom's call to repent and turn to God. To work out what it means, chapter 2 encourages us in the most persuasive way possible to really apply ourselves and then we will understand the fear of the Lord. And one last point, super quick from chapter 3. Start with me from verse 5. Chapter 3, verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. There's humility that is required to get this concept, to trust God from every recess of our heart and submit all of our ways to him. Honouring the Lord with our wealth, chapter 3, verse 10, with our first fruits is a wonderful picture of God's abundant provision for those who do so with food and cups overflowing with new wine is the picture used there, but also the humility to submit to God's discipline in our lives when we need it. From verse 11, My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke, because the Lord disciplines those he loves. As a father, the son, he delights in. It was that that the author of Hebrews kind of riffed off making that same point. You'll see, I hope, by the end of the four weeks how much Proverbs is integral to the whole Bible and to the Gospels where we get God's word applied to us and I hope you really love it by the end of the four weeks because humbly living under God's rule a key part of what it means to fear the Lord and there's more in coming chapters in the daily uh, readings which I'd encourage you to do this week if you haven't already and once we get it knowing the fear of the Lord isn't just the beginning of wisdom living under the fear of the Lord rightly understood is where we camp out. It's where we stay for the whole Christian life. When we stand there with lady wisdom as personified in Proverbs as our guide, then we're ready to mine the value of chapters 10 to 29 of Proverbs as we read them through and through. Because as we come across Proverbs then on friendship, we will know how dangerous it is to have foolish friends and we'll need to have character strong enough to withstand the seductive call of folly. So those proverbs then on being a good friend and having good friends have added weight and depth to them. They're no longer just like a a random sort of thought for the day. We kind of get it all in the concept of what it means to live a whole life pursuing God's wisdom. For those of us who are uh, parents and we're all uh, somebody's children, we get the urging of a father and mother's instruction in teaching our kids as we raise them to pursue God. I want to close today by saying that it simply cannot be that our seniors' generation, at our church at least, is the last generation to grace this earth who search for wisdom like this. Yes, it's costly. Yes, I've tried not to take my foot off the pedal and just sort of soft deliver the last part of the sermon like this because Proverbs would not have us do it, and neither would Jesus. Seeking God's wisdom and applying it to life is a non-negotiable part of having Jesus as our Lord and Saviour, yet the reward is immense. It's beyond compare. It's of immense value when you stand on those days, like the worst day of my life, actually knowing the God and experiencing things uh, together through him. It's wonderful to have people around you who treasure God's wisdom like that too. And I'm sure we'll get to know each other on four weeks, but I know as I look around my congregation, there are people struggling with all sorts of things and you want a Proverbs, Word of God-soaked person to come alongside you at that point. So do take uh, the reading guide. Please read your way through them in the next four weeks. because, As I often say uh, to our church in Colonelite Gardens, Yes, there are churches that will ask much less of you when it comes to God's word and serving him and applying wisdom today that won't ask you to pay such a cost in following Jesus. But as the great Obi-Wan Kenobi said, who's the greater fool? The fool or the fool that follows him. Mm -hmm. Let's pray. Mm -hmm. Dear Heavenly Father, We thank you so much for your word to us in Proverbs. We pray for our church family here at uh, Mount Barker that together over these four weeks as we open up your word together and at home and on the bus on the way to work as we discuss it around uh, our dinner tables and our households and at church here on Sunday, that you would do a great work in us by your spirit, that each and every person, young to old, would come away with a new appreciation and a love for Proverbs and how central it is in guiding us in wisdom as we live in your world today. We pray, Lord, that by the power of your Spirit, you would help us uh, to reject folly's call, which, as we'll see next week, can be so seductive and uh, actually uh, so hidden and and mimic the voice of wisdom so closely. Please help us to discern your wisdom from false and to apply it in our lives in a way, understanding uh, the great position of freedom that we stand in because uh, we know we can live in relationship with you today because of what Jesus has done for us. And it's not our obedience that makes us right with you. It's Jesus' death on the cross that does. Please help us stand in that position of grace and at the same time pursue your wisdom with great urgency and with great vigour, as Proverbs uh, calls us to, so that it might not only be a great blessing in our lives personally, so that together as a church we might be uh, an increasing blessing uh, to each other year on, uh, year in, year out, but also too as we... Interact with the world you dearly love, seeking to share the good news of Jesus, that um, something of the way we live might be deeply attractive to many and provide us many opportunities to share something of the great uh, Lord and Saviour that we proclaim and that we live by, who oversees this church and is indeed Lord of all our lives, who really is uh, the wisdom uh, of God personified. Please help us to point uh, many people to him. Uh, through our lives and through your word. We ask these things in Jesus' precious and very powerful name. Amen.